Good morning, Christchurch. Good to see each of you here this Sunday morning. And I want to start with a word. We're going to do a word association game. And I'm going to say a word. You don't need to say anything back, but I'm curious what's the first thing that comes to you uh, when I say this word. So be thinking about this as I say this this word. Um, What's the first thing that pops up? And the word is spirituality. Spirituality. What's the first word that maybe comes to your mind or kind of rises up within you when you hear that word spirituality? Maybe you think that word spirituality, it's kind of mysterious. There's something, uh, it just feels other and out there, and I'm sort of drawn to it a little bit. It's alluring. I'm wondering a little bit more about that. Um, maybe it's a little ill-defined. It feels like a fuzzy word. There's so many different types of spiritualities. I go to Amazon and I just type in spirituality and I get a litany of book lists that I couldn't possibly read, all these different spiritualities of many different things. So maybe it's an ill-defined word. Maybe it feels a little dangerous that I don't want to get too close to that word because I don't know what will be demanded of me by this word spirituality. But you probably have some form of reaction to this word spirituality. In my line of work, I often hear from people, and maybe you've experienced this before, someone will say something like, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious, meaning I, I know there's a God out there, or I think there's a God out there, but I don't trust the churches. I don't really believe in the institutions. The people that are supposed to represent him seem like they've done something wrong. So I'm spiritual, and I like some of the spirituality, but I'm not religious. Or maybe you've heard something, or perhaps you've said something like this before. I don't believe in God. I take a science-based approach to the world, and yet I've had these spiritual experiences, and I don't know how to make sense of some of these experiences I've had because I I just don't know how the evidence lines up for them. So I, I almost feel embarrassed, maybe even a little ashamed by some of these experiences I've had before. This word spirituality raises uh, a level of reaction out of each and every one of us, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today, about why that is and what's going on with that. And where we are right now, um, we're in a summer series right now called Simply Christian, and it's following a book written by N.T. Wright. And um, we're going back to the foundations, the very building blocks of what we think Christianity is all about and how Christianity might make sense of the world. And the way N.T. Wright starts, he says, we live in a world that most people aren't familiar with the Bible or don't take a starting position of belief in God. So rather than starting there, he starts with these longings that everyone in all cultures at all times experiences, these four longings of beauty and relationships and longing for justice, and then this longing for spirituality. And we're going to start there today with this longing. Last week, we talked about relationships. Today, we're going to talk about this longing for spirituality. We're going to describe it a little bit, talk about what it is, and then how might Christianity make sense of this? How does a foundation of the the Christian story start to make sense of this longing? So that's where we're going today. What N.T. Wright wants to say is spirituality, this longing, it's an echo of a voice from another world. It's the echo of a caller, one who's called out, God who's spoken out to us. So I want to start right here with what do we mean by spirituality? Because that is kind of an ill-defined and fuzzy word. So here's my definition. I'm sure there's many other definitions. Here's what I mean by spirituality. Spirituality is connecting your life back up to the divine. And I'm not, when I'm saying this, I'm not saying this in a, even a Christian sense. And just anyone might use the word this way is how I'm describing it. Christ, spirituality it's connecting your life back up to the divine life. 
It's this sense that there is a divine presence out there who's hiding, who's sometimes haunting, coming near, sometimes powerfully present in different moments of life. Spirituality is living a life of purpose and transcendence that's fueled by this connection to the divine. It's more than intellectual. It's more than emotional. It's the whole self, like all of me is required. And one way you might think about it is trying to say that there is someone out there. And I think that someone out there wants to connect deeply to the me in here, my very deepest, fullest, most true self being connected some way. That's maybe a colloquial definition for spirituality. And everyone I've ever talked to longs for spirituality. And I suspect everyone you have ever spoken with as well longs for this spiritual connection. One of the ways you can ask someone uh, if, they, if they've longed for this before is ask someone, has there ever been a deep moment of connection where you've sensed that there's more to the world than just what you can see in front of you? Like, have you ever had one of those moments where you get a sense there's just more to the world than what you can see in front of you? If you ask someone that, they'll probably say something like, it was the first moment I held my child in my arms. And in that moment of holding them, I knew there's more to this world than just what I can see and experience in front of me. Or maybe they'll say something like, it was a moment sometimes where me and my best friends, we were sitting on a beach and we were watching the sunset over the Pacific. And as the sun was going down and the waves were coming in, there's just this sense that there is more out there than what I've experienced before. And I want to somehow be connected to that more. Or maybe someone will say something like, I was in a cathedral or a church. And this invitation to come forward for communion, I just got this sense, this haunting there's a God out there, and I want to know him. I suspect, and actually I don't suspect, I know every person I've ever spoken to has moments like those, has these moments of this other that is actually out there. Everyone longs for spirituality. A few weeks ago, I was invited to a dinner, and this is unlike almost any dinner I've ever been to before, and so there were about 15 or 20 of us around a table, and we were speaking with a renowned Roman Catholic exorcist. And um, probably what most of you are going to remember from this sermon is that uh, that thing that Matt said about the exorcist. Like, you're just, that's going to lodge with you. But we're sitting around talking about the exorcist. And the reason, the, here's what's so interesting. I'm not sure everyone at the table believed kind of the same things about God, but there was just sense of, wait a minute, you have, you've kind of interacted with some of these like out there forces, and we want to know a little bit more about that. And Kind of my takeaway from that, as I've been reflecting, is there are many people who even believe in demonic powers, or they believe in supernatural evil forces, but not necessarily that there is a good God. They'll say, yeah, there is this just kind of other bad thing, but I don't know about this other good thing. This sense then that everyone has this kind of spiritual awareness in some way. Everyone longs for spirituality. This yearning is, it's deep. It's within every single person I've ever talked to, ever spoken to. And sometimes we think our culture is closed off to spirituality. We think that, um, that we're a, a very skeptical culture and people no longer believe in God and these sorts of things. But the most recent research only confirms what we already know, that everyone desires this spirituality, this spiritual connection. So here's a, a recent study from a Barna Research Group. Uh, came out in the late fall of 2022 asking about 2,000 people. 
Here's the question. Do you think that there is a spiritual or supernatural dimension to the world, or do you not think this? This is asked of American adults. 50%, yeah, it exists. 30%, I think it exists, but I'm not certain. So roughly 80% of Americans open to spirituality. 11% said, I don't think it exists, but I, it's possible that it does. So in other words, from this study, you've got about 91% of people saying, I'm, I'm open. I'm open to there, there must be more to life than just what's in front of me all the time. Let's go to this next slide. Sometimes we think of the youngest generation coming up, Gen Z, uh, as being very critical, being closed off to church. And this slide was prepared by Emily Padula and Kim Polk. They took some of the Barner research and then they separated it out and tried to account for just the generational differences. And here's the question that's being asked. It says, I am more open to God today than I was before the pandemic. And the highest ranking group that affirmed that is Gen Z at 59%. And then it goes down, millennials, 54, Gen X, 43, boomers. I don't know where y'all are at, at 34%. But it's so interesting. We think perhaps of Gen Z is being closed off. Maybe one of the ways you could account for this is you could say, well, there's just some youthful hopefulness that everyone who's young kind of takes an openness to the world. They haven't yet become cynical because they've encountered the world. And that could account for some of it, but I actually think as you get into the data, I did some of the, the deeper dive research on this, I actually think Gen Z is very openly and authentically saying we do want spiritual experiences. We're willing to be open not just to churches, but to any group that can back up their beliefs with life action. What we don't want is people talking about spiritual things and not living it out. We want people who talk the talk and then what? Walk the walk. That's what we want to see. They say we're open to this. They would resonate with a theology that is real love of neighbor, true justice and mercy, a spirituality that's pervasive and affects every single corner dimension of your life. They would resonate with this quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who says in his uh, biography, Stride Towards Freedom, he's recounting the Montgomery bus boycott. And he says, a religion true to its nature must also be concerned about man's social conditions. And any religion that professes to be concerned with the souls of men and is not concerned with the slums that damn them, the economic conditions that strangle them, and the social conditions that cripple them is a dry-as-dust religion. I heard one leader say of Gen Z and young emerging adults that they're often church suspicious, but spiritually interested. In other words, they want to see churches that actually follow what they believe and don't just talk about good news, but embody it to all people, for immigrants, for the unhoused, churches that are willing to step into messy conversations about racism and gun control because they feel safe in the kingdom of God. We hear this today in our Isaiah reading. This was our first reading, and I want to read this portion to you because it's so beautiful. It says, In that day, in the days of the kingdom, the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame will leap like a deer, the mute will shout for joy, a highway will be there, and it will be called the way of holiness. What Gen Z wants, and what I would say all of us want, is an integrated spirituality. A spirituality that's full of justice, mercy, and grace. They want a holiness that costs something, not watered down, hypocritical living, which is what they often see when they look in churches that 
they say all these big and important things and then maybe don't live up to them. Something that demands all of us and promises God in return. And I think to that, we would say, amen. We want that. We all want that. Which reinforces my point. Humans are thirsty for a spirituality. We're thirsty for connection with God, for connection with the divine, connection with the other. We want something that we wait, this is, but how do we bottom understand them in light of Christianity? And I would say at the foundation of Christianity, the very bottom floor, Christianity wants to say the reason you desire this spiritual connection is because you were made by a transcendent God. There is a good creator God who made this creation, made this world. He's not part of it. He's not contained within it. He's wholly other outside of it. But as he's made you and made creation, he's put into every human this desire to know him. Only according to the Christian story, things very early on went horribly wrong. And we've gone off track and no longer are able to know him. And so we're like cars that our gaslight is on empty, desiring, knowing that we're supposed to run somehow on this connection to God, run on fuel, run on him, but not being able to attain it. And here's where Christianity wants to say things are a little bit different than the world. Because all other religions in the world, all other worldviews in the world, all other positions will say this, that desire for spirituality, the way you get it is you have to try so hard to be perfect. You have to do all the right rituals. You have to believe all the right things. You have to work perfectly to get it, to somehow connect yourself up to God. And what Christianity wants to say is that chasm, that method, that way of walking up to God just doesn't work. The spirituality you desire is a real desire, but rather than that, God has stepped down. Rather than you trying to step up into heaven, heaven has stepped down into earth. Every quest for spirituality essentially says, what do I need to do to connect to the divine? But Christianity says, realize that God is trying to connect to you. Not just you searching for God, God has been searching for you. That's the foundation of Christianity. The longing that everyone feels for spirituality is a true and good longing. The method of how to complete that desire is where Christianity wants to point differently. You can't work your way up. You can't search for God, but he has searched for you. He has stepped down. God has crossed the chasm. He's come and taken up residence as one of us, Jesus Christ. And so in Jesus Christ, what we say as Christians we believe is that the divine presence has come down and embodied himself as one person, taking up human flesh, becoming one of us, sharing our story as a human with us. And he's done this because he's on a search for us. And so when we talk about spirituality as Christians, what we mean is a, a Jesus-centered spirituality, a spirituality that connects to God because it's connected to Jesus, where God has stepped down into the world. And you know, there's so many different ways we could talk about this. I was telling Father Herb before the first service, um, this is one of the more difficult sermons I've ever had to write because the topic of spirituality just feels so big and so huge. You can almost take it any different direction. But our reading today, what we read in the Gospels, this story about Jesus and Matthew and the tax collectors, I just thought this is like paradigmatic of the type of Jesus-centered spirituality I'm talking about, of God stepping down, the God's search for human. Like, it just happens in this story. So if you, have, um, your, if you have the bulletin from today, you can turn to our Matthew reading. And I just want to talk through this story for a minute. 
Because I think it talks about the type of spirituality I'm describing, not a human search for God, but a God's search for human. That's the type of spirituality we're describing, God's search for humanity. And we're reading in uh, the Gospel of Matthew. It's actually written by the person that we're reading about today, by this tax tax collector, Matthew. And we hear this event in Jesus' life. He's walking along. He sees a tax collector, Matthew, and he invites him to follow him. Matthew leaves behind this part of his life, this tax-collecting part of his life, and begins to follow Jesus. And that's significant. There's always going to be an invitation and a leaving behind. So in terms of spirituality, though, let's think about Matthew for a minute. In terms of spirituality, this is not a person that you would look at and say, now there's a spiritual person. There's someone who seems like they're really on a quest for the divine. All right, now the reason I say that is because if you know a little bit about a tax collector, there's someone who, here's their job. They look for legal loopholes to charge you more taxes on behalf of Rome. Then they go and collect them, and if they collect more than Rome needed, they get to keep them. So they're, they're legally trying to exploit you. That's their job. They're a, essentially, it's a lawyer whose job is not to defend you, but to find where have you made any mistake and I, want, I get to collect the extra part of you. So you might not look at that person and say, well, there's just a paragon of spirituality. That's what I think of with a spiritual person. Not particularly spiritual doing the religious stuff. But Jesus walks by and calls him to follow. And Jesus says, I can connect you to God. And Matthew believes him. Only further emphasizes what we know to be true, that true spirituality begins with this aspect of following Jesus. We we recognize God is inviting us to follow him, and so we abandon our previous ways of life, of living on this spiritual quest. Following Jesus will always mean some part of abandonment. It'll always mean something is being left behind because usually the something that you are holding on to is how you are trying to accomplish your spiritual goals. I suspect Matthew was thinking, if I simply have enough money, maybe a pretty common one, I'll be secure, I'll feel significant. That links up to my my spiritual goals. And Jesus wants to just say, the only way to really satisfy this spiritual desire is to follow me, which will mean a leaving behind of a previous way of life. A Jesus-centered spirituality sees God as always coming towards us. Jesus freely calls him and invites his participation. Jesus doesn't go up to the tax collector booth and try to drag him out. God's search for humanity is always invitation. You don't have to participate. It's invitation to follow him in this kind of way freely if you want to. You know, I, when I'm thinking about this type of spirituality and I was trying to think of like how might I describe this, I have a saying that... Um, I have three children, ages three all the way up to 12, and I have a saying that I've been saying to each of them ever since they were, they were little, and I'll say it to them in their highlight moments, and I'll say it to them in their lowest moments. So, you know, some of the highlight moments, they've just finished like a basketball game and scored 18 points. I might say this phrase to them. They have just gotten into an enormous fight with their sibling, and there is just tears and snot and mess everywhere, and they're lying on the floor. I might say the same statement to them because I'm wanting to show them and remind them how I feel towards them. So here's a statement. I'll say this. So you're super high. You just scored all these points. Why do, why do I love you? And they'll say, because you're my dad. And I'll say, and how long will I be your dad? And they'll say, always. And I'll say, so how long will I love you? Always. 
And I'll say that to him in the high moments. Say it to him in the low moments also. You're on the floor right now. I see you right there. Why do I love you? <laughs> I get it because you're my dad. Okay, but here's the point of what I'm trying to communicate to them is that at every moment of their life, their great successes, their great failures, they do not change the fact of my status towards them. I'm simply their dad, which means they cannot do enough to walk away from the relationship towards me. Here's what Jesus is doing towards Matthew that day. God has made you Matthew. He has created you Matthew. And he has come into this world seeking you Matthew to follow him. And I'm inviting you, follow me. That's the type, the type of invitation. You are always my creation. You always belong to me. You are mine. You cannot walk away from me. And I can invite you to follow me. It can invite you into this relationship with me. This is the Jesus-centered spirituality. And then something really happens, something really exciting happens in our passage. After calling Matthew to follow him, Matthew leaving behind this tax collector booth, Jesus encourages to, for Matthew to have a party and invite his friends. So Matthew invites all of his best friends, which are a pretty rambunctious and notorious group of also not spiritual people, sinners is what you might call them, invites them over to a party. And Jesus says, let's have a huge feast. If there's one thing, well, there's many things Jesus knows. If there's something that Jesus excels at that we often overlook, he is the best party host. Jesus knows party. He gets how to throw down, all right? He's like, he knows how to have a good time. So he says, Matthew, I need you to get the pheasant. I need you to get the steak. Like, order up all the wine you can get. Call your friends. Get on the phone. We're having a party backyard right now. He's having this huge feast, and he's got everyone together in the backyard, and the scriptures say that they're all together, and they're notorious sinners, people with reputations, people you would intentionally avoid. And in my mind, this is a dinner party of like the snarkiest young Gen Zs with the crankiest boomers all like hanging out together. <laughs> That's, that, makes, that makes my point. Thank you. <laughs> It gets together all the, the neediest people, needy housed people, needy homeless people, but needy people all together in this backyard. And Jesus is at the center, connecting people back to God. That's what his work is, I'm connecting, inviting you to the Father. But there's another group there outside the party. It's the Pharisees, the religious group. And the Pharisees, you maybe have heard of this before, they are the group that thinks if they do good enough religious deeds, if they can do all the right religious acts, and then it's like they obligate God to have to accept them. Their method for spirituality is keep every single rule perfectly, and if we do that, then God will have to accept us. They're working their way back to God. It's a spirituality of man seeking God, not God seeking man. They're standing outside, and they come up to uh, one of the disciples, and they say, hey, does, does your master know who he's eating with right now? Like, does he know the reputation of these people that are in the backyard with him as if Jesus wouldn't know? And then Jesus happens to overhear this comment, which if you're the Pharisees, you're like, oh, shoot. Like, I did not want to be overheard in this moment. But Jesus overhears them, and he says this statement that is so beautiful, Christ Church, I just want you to... This is something you should memorize. This is something you should live into. 
This should form the basis of a Jesus-centered spirituality, a God-seeking man's spirituality. Here's what Jesus, how he responds. He says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Which is to say, Pharisees, though you think you have been so perfectly abiding by the rules, you haven't been. You're just not honest about it. And I'm only here to invite and to heal those who are willing to say, I am sick. I am sinner. I am in need. I can't reach God on my own. I need God to reach down and rescue me. See, what happens so often in church life is someone comes and has this beautiful awakening story, this invitation to follow Jesus. And they say, I'm doing it. I'm following it. And then quickly, for a number of reasons, takes up the spirituality of Phariseeism and thinks that the way I've got to continue to prove to God and to others how good I am is by doing certain things. And if I continue to do enough of them, God will then be pleased with me. So if I keep doing all the perfect Bible reading, or if I keep doing all the perfect praying, or if I keep voting for the right person or whatever it is, then God will be pleased with me. And you quickly slip from following Jesus as sinner to following Jesus as Pharisee. And the reason so many people in our world say they want a spirituality, a spirituality without religion is because they often look inside the church and see church members like us as Pharisees, angry and judgmental and incapable of recognizing we're also sick. We are also the sinners, that apart from God, there's nothing. We are nothing. The true spirituality that follows Jesus will recognize I am a sinner on the way to being healed. I am the sick that he is beginning to heal and bring healing to. He is making me righteous, but I'm not there yet. He's making me holy, but it's not fully realized yet. I recognize I'm not capable of living the life I desire to live, and therefore, I have to remain humble. Following Jesus, recognizing apart from him, there is no spirituality for me. It's all sick and sinful. I was hanging out with uh, someone who lives not too far from our church. He lives on the streets. His name's Pete, and you might have even seen him before. He's lived here for about six years. He's from... um, Eastern, uh, the, the eastern part of Houston, and um, it, one day I was serving him communion, and we were just having a conversation. He calls me Rev, and, and I, was, I was serving him communion. He's a baptized believer, and I said, Pete, I said, you, you know that God loves you, don't you? And he says, oh, Rev, yeah, I know God loves me, and I was just struck by that. I was like, okay, yeah, you really do. Well, tell me, how do you know God loves you? And he said, one of the most astounding and precise theological things I've ever heard. He said, I know God loves me because I sin so much. And I just thought, that's actually the truth. That is the deepest reality truth. And this is not to glorify sin. This is not to say that God promotes sin in any way. But it is to acknowledge what Martin Luther in the Reformation acknowledged, that I am a sinner and it is precisely at my points of sin and weakness and say, Pharisees, Nick, I see you. You know who you are. Come and follow me. The spirituality I'm describing, a Jesus-centered spirituality, is one that will always and will continue to say, apart from Christ, I have nothing, I am nothing. I remember my life apart from Jesus is sinful, was sinful, and only he is bringing me to God. Only he can rescue me. I'm on a loop 
that I can't escape my own life. I need him to reach down and rescue me. We have a word for this in Christianity, and it's called grace. God is coming on a spiritual quest to you, the unholy and the sick. And Christianity flourishes when it remembers this good news of grace, which is the starting place for everyone is sickness and unhealth, and Jesus invites all. It doesn't matter your starting point. He would walk by and invite you to follow him, single, married, housed or unhoused, straight or gay, gender dysphoria, feeling worthless or feeling successful, rich or broke, murderers or liars, black or white, Chinese or Japanese, male, female, young, old. God moves towards you. He moves towards you. That's what he's done in Jesus. He, you have quested for him your whole life, and you will never get him until he has quested for you and invites you to follow him. And the whole heart of Christianity, this foundational block, is the desires you have for spirituality, the desire every human has for spirituality cannot be accomplished in your own quest. It can only be realized as God has stepped down and you begin to respond and follow him. And this is the good news. We long for spirituality that connects us to God, and in Jesus we find it. One who has stepped down from heaven, one who has brought God to us, a vibrant spirituality satisfying our deepest longings to know and experience God. We believe that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.